This man was targeted for death. A man is shot to death at a Surrey gas station. Just one of three shootings in less than 24 hours in Metro Vancouver. Plus, a suspected drunk driver destroys a Langley business overnight. Why it could have been so much worse. Why and... put trucks through a residential neighborhood? It's nuts. A Vancouver neighborhood is feeling betrayed by the city over plans to remove the downtown viaducts. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news. A BC paraglider taking part in a fundraiser has died on Africa's highest mountain. A tweet by Tanzania Park says Justin Kylo was killed on Mount Kilimanjaro yesterday. The 51-year-old North Vancouver man was participating in the annual Wings of Kilimanjaro charity event, which raises money for community projects in Tanzania. Kylo was the owner of Smoke and Bones Barbecue, a restaurant and catering company on the North Shore. In 2015, he appeared on Global BC for a cooking segment. A statement from Global Affairs Canada says consular officials are trying to gather more information on what went wrong. At this time last night, a gas station in Surrey's Clayton Heights neighborhood became the latest scene of a brazen shooting. One man was killed when several shots were fired into a vehicle. As Julia Foy reports, this incident is again raising anxiety in the community, including for those who were simply trying to go about their business in a busy shopping center. Surrey RCMP and members of the Integrated Homicide Investigation Team spent hours looking for clues around Clayton Heights Mall, both on the ground and from the air with a drone. Shoppers were rattled to learn that a man was shot to death at the local gas station near 188th and Fraser Highway. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty close to home. A little bit scary. In this community, like we're always out for walks and everything is so close by, so it's kind of like freaky. The fact that a shooting happened in the neighborhood is just concerning. The violence began shortly before 6 p.m. Saturday night when a man in a black Mercedes SUV pulled into this gas station. Moments later, a suspect fired several shots at the driver and he died at the scene. Uh, it's too early to tell exactly what the motive behind the shooting is, um, but certainly wasn't random. Uh, this man was targeted for death. As police swarmed the area, there were reports that one or more suspects may have run across four lanes of Fraser Highway and through the parking lot of a second mall to make their escape. Officers are now canvassing businesses looking for surveillance video. If you saw anyone suspicious, like you say, you know, running across the street, something like that, that's very important around 6 o'clock after shots rang out. Police say they know the identity of the homicide victim, but they're notifying his family before releasing it to the public. Saturday's shooting is the third targeted attack in Surrey in two months. Prominent Hells Angel Suminder Graywall was killed in South Surrey in a drive-thru on August 2nd. Two suspects are charged in his death. On September 3rd, Thomas Saul survived a targeted shooting in Fraser Heights just weeks after escaping a previous attack in Burnaby. Police warn he could be targeted again. As for this latest assassination, IHIT needs the public's help. We understand. You know, what you were going through last night and the emotions. Uh, so this morning, as you wake up and uh, you realize what you're waking up to, uh, uh, it's important that we speak with you. Julia Foy, Global News.
Vancouver police are looking to speak with witnesses to two other shootings that happened overnight. A 35-year-old Surrey man was found with gunshot wounds on the downtown east side this morning at about 4.30. And at about midnight, police were called to Kingsway and Gladstone, where a 44-year-old Vancouver man was shot several times outside a restaurant. The VPD says it appears the shootings were not related, but believe they were both targeted and are asking witnesses to come forward. It's not the kind of call you want to get in the middle of the night. An early morning accident has left the Langley business in ruins. An SUV crashed right through the front door and windows of a spa on Glover Road near 96th Avenue. And the vehicle had to be towed out of the building, which wouldn't have been easy. It happened at about 2 o'clock this morning, and a Langley RCMP and Langley RCMP say the driver was impaired. The owner of the spa is grateful no one was hurt, but as you can see, her business is destroyed. I'm concerned about my staff. Like, I have nine girls that depend on this job, and, you know, it's a small community. Everybody comes here. I'm concerned about my staff and clients, right? I mean, insurance will hopefully cover all that, but that's the part that I'm worried, right? The city of Vancouver is offering up grief counseling to its employees this weekend following the sudden death of one of its road workers. As Paul Johnson reports, the man was killed Saturday in a tragic workplace accident. It was a road paving operation on Boundary Road, the borderline between Vancouver and Burnaby. And the city of Vancouver works group was packing up for the day when the accident happened. Andrew Ledger is head of the union that represents that crew. I think it's fair to say that our members are devastated. Um, you know, the, the member who passed was a very well-loved, uh, very well-liked individual, you know, the kind of guy who always had a smile on his face and was always uh, going out of his way to, to brighten the lives of the folks he worked with. Well, the cause of the accident is still under investigation. Video from the scene shows a steep hill and what looks like a towed air compressor detached from its truck. Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart says the city manager contacted him with the bad news Saturday. Somebody went to work, uh, working for the citizens in the city, and then they didn't come home last night, and that's just heartbreaking. There are more than a thousand people who maintain the city of Vancouver's infrastructure. While fatal accidents are rare, they do happen. Prior to this, the last death was an arborist killed in a tree trimming operation. After Saturday's accident, the flag atop City Hall was lowered to half staff, and Mayor Stewart says there will be a moment of silence at Tuesday's council meeting. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. The search for a missing Kelowna man who failed to return from a hunting trip entered its fourth day today. The search is focused around James Lake, east of Kelowna in the Highlands. Central Okanagan search and rescue teams have been scouring the area on ATVs and UTVs as helicopters and fixed-wing planes search from above. 74-year-old Gordon Soloway set out with his rifle and was expected to return Thursday afternoon. We've covered everywhere around uh, James Lake, all the way down through Big White, a little bit further down. Um, we've done about 3,000 square kilometers of uh, back roads, side roads, logging roads, everywhere that uh, we feel a truck can get into, we've probably driven down it. Gordon Soloway has a medical condition that limits his mobility. He was driving a silver 2012 Dodge Ram truck with BC license plate HM3670. The public is being asked to keep an eye out for the truck and to call RCMP if you think you've seen it. 
On the federal election campaign trail, the Liberals released their full campaign platform today. It shows the size of the federal deficit under a re-elected Liberal government ballooning to $27 billion next year. The NDP's Jugmeet Singh was on the West Coast talking about how much money his party would commit to help at-risk youth. Jamie Mulrocker has the details. We will make your life more affordable. At an event outside Toronto Sunday, Liberal leader Justin Trudeau revealed how his party hopes to do just that. A re-elected Liberal government will further increase student grants by 40%. Increasing student grants from $2,000 to $4,200 a year. The Liberals say if re-elected, student loan repayments will also be extended from six months post-graduation to two years. Students also wouldn't have to start repayments until they make $35,000 a year. And new parents could also pause repayments until their child reaches the age of five. The new measures would come at a cost of $1.4 billion by 2023. While campaigning in British Columbia for the six days straight, NDP leader Jagmeet Singh called out the Liberals for not making the changes sooner. They picked the pockets of students who were in student debt they charged them $3 billion in interest. Meanwhile, touting his party's plan to fight gang violence, promising $100 million towards programming for at-risk youth. To help out with things like after-school programs, with uh, youth uh, drop-in centers, just to help and provide supports for young people so they have a brighter future. Back in Mississauga, Trudeau also touched on safety, revealing his government will pledge $50 million over five years and ban military-style assault rifles. Conservatives are going to weaken gun control. Taking quite a bit of time to focus on his competition on a day when Conservative leader Andrew Scheer took a break from campaigning. I know Canadians are very aware of the choice that they're facing between our Liberal vision to continue moving forward with a Conservative approach that goes back through cuts and austerity. He's putting $56 billion of new promises on the national credit card before the election and then sending working-class taxpayers the bill after the election. And while the Liberals are banking on revenue from the Trans Mountain Pipeline and a new 10% luxury tax to help pay for their promises, Trudeau couldn't explain how or when his party plans to balance the books, putting forth a platform that leaves the country with an additional $31.5 billion in debt. Jamie Marocker, Global News. In Burnaby, Green Party leader Elizabeth May proposed a robot tax for companies that replace workers with machines. The Greens say generally such a tax would apply to large corporations. For every automated job, a corporation would be taxed the equivalent of the income that would have been paid for a worker. We know that workers are losing jobs, being replaced by robots, and that will only increase in future. So we need to plan ahead for the future world of work. And for more on day 19 of the campaign, let's bring in our Keith Baldry. Keith, what do you make of Jugmeet Singh visiting an NDP stronghold today? Yeah, Vancouver Kingsway, very interesting, Colleen. You know, there's 338 writings. The leaders aren't going to get to every one of those writings. So they tend to focus on writings they either currently hold and hope to protect or to pick up uh, from other parties. Jagmeet Singh spending uh, uh, most of last week on Vancouver Island, NDP stronghold. Interestingly, today he went to Vancouver Kingsway, which should be a stronghold, and a riding in Surrey, which he hopes to pick up from the Liberals. But interesting, different riding results from the last election. In Vancouver Kingsway, a very healthy NDP win over the Liberals last time. But uh, the fact that 
that Trudeau began his campaign in Kingsway and that Singh's there today tells me the NDP may be a bit worried about that riding right now. And the reverse is true in Surrey Newton, where the Liberals won quite handsomely in 2015. Surrey Newton by 50, more than uh, almost 56% of the vote, a whopping uh, number over the NDP. But Jagmeet Singh told me before the campaign began, Colleen, that he actually thinks they have a shot in Surrey Newton. They think they're running a star candidate there. So in the last uh, few weeks of the campaign, keep an eye on where the leaders go. That's going to tell you where they think they're doing best or where they think they've got to sort of shore up the resources to protect the turf they've already won. There's a method to their madness. These things are scripted well in advance. And again, I think we'll get a sense of how they're doing depending on what riding they're going to and how many times they go there. Look for Singh to spend a lot of time in B.C., particularly here on the island. All right. Thanks so much, Keith. Hundreds of people gathered in Victoria today for an annual tribute to fallen police officers. Officers from across the province and beyond marching from downtown to the lawn of the legislature for the B.C. Law Enforcement Memorial Service. The ceremony honors the 127 members who have lost their lives in the line of duty. The B.C. service coincides with the National Police and Peace Officers Memorial in Ottawa. There were no new fallen members added to the province's honour roll in 2019. We've added two historical ones. Both were BC provincial police officers and both lost their lives in 1915. They're members of the community that were willing to put their life on the line and they're members that didn't get to go home at the end of their shift. It's been a bone of contention for years now, removing the viaducts as arteries in and out of downtown Vancouver. Well, now a new city report on the matter has one neighborhood furious. As Kristen Robinson reports, despite promises of traffic calming on Pryor Street, Strathcona residents say the city's plan will have the opposite effect. Penny Crawford doesn't feel safe crossing the street to Strathcona Park. And if council supports the city's recommended route to connect East Vancouver with downtown once the viaducts are removed, she fears the walk will only get worse. Prior Street is too narrow. It was never intended to be an arterial. There's no buffer for pedestrians. One of the reasons why a community panel endorsed National Charles as the best of four routes. But a city report now suggests retaining the existing arterial along Pryor and Venable streets and adding an underpass at the rail crossing. We're most nervous about increasing traffic on Pryor. Uh, with kids crossing and pedestrian crossings, it's already a really dangerous road. Why put trucks through a residential neighborhood? It's nuts. City staff say the Prior Venables underpass has business and stakeholder support from the Port of Vancouver, CN, the Trucking Association, TransLink and Providence Healthcare because it's cost effective, would minimize shifting traffic impacts and provides the most direct access for emergency vehicles and St. Paul's Hospital. It's just a little bit frustrating that the city has not come to us at all. Some businesses along the route say there's been no consultation on what could bring a nightmare of more traffic, no parking and construction. The majority of our revenue comes from sales on site here. Without customers, obviously, like we just, we just can't survive. Residents plan to rally Monday, saying the city made past promises to downgrade prior. The report suggests vehicle speeds could be reduced and walkability improved on the street, but it's unclear how that would work if Pryor becomes a major route. We want meaningful, permanent calming measures put in place 
to restore Pryor to a residential street and make it safe for everyone. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Following years of delays and stringent government regulations, Uber and Lyft plan to launch in Metro Vancouver before Christmas. But now a new hitch. The ride-hailing companies could face fees for picking up and dropping off passengers. The City of Vancouver is recommending Council approve a congestion and curbside management permit that ride-hailing services would be required to have in order to access any curbside between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. The fee would be 30 cents for each passenger pick up and drop off and is geared towards tempering the demand for vehicle-based transportation during an already congested window. The fee would be reduced by 50% for zero-emission vehicles and would not apply to accessible vehicles. The staff report goes to council on Tuesday. A statement from Lyft says in part, when looking to implement congestion pricing, it's critical that all vehicles are accounted for, including commercial and personal vehicles, and continuing to incentivize the use of shared rides. Looking at just one type of vehicle will never truly address congestion. A car-sharing service popular in Metro Vancouver is pulling out of Calgary. After seven years, Car2Go is blaming a volatile transportation market and limited success in Calgary for its decision, much to the surprise and disappointment of regular users. Car2Go says it will cease operations in the city on October 31st. The city is meeting with the company next week to discuss its concerns with the way Calgary regulates rideshare companies. We need to think about what the impacts of them leaving is on our transport, on our transit system, uh, on Uber and the taxi system. We need to be really thoughtful about about what the implications of this are. The impact of Hurricane Dorian continues to be felt in this country. In Halifax, work has begun to remove the collapsed crane that came down during the storm. Crews are trying to anchor and stabilize sections of the mangled structure before the tower is dismantled, dismantled that is, piece by piece. Two companies have been hired to move the project forward. And because the job is very complex, there is no estimated timeline for the project's completion. Nearly three weeks ago, a family in the Bahamas fled their country after their home was flattened by Hurricane Dorian. They've been living in Kelowna ever since. Global's Jules Knox caught up with them to find out how they're coping. <laughs> it was a long-awaited reunion. <laughs> Raw emotion and pure joy. Dexter and Regina Ferguson arriving in Kelowna with their son after their home in the Bahamas flattened by Hurricane Dorian. That was nearly three weeks ago. I lost my home, the jobs. We, we lost everything, clothes, all our personal effects. The only thing we was able to really hold on to was our documents because we kept them close the whole time. And the updates from their home since are heartbreaking. Honestly, the bodies. The bodies is the worst of it stinking all over the island, a lot of people still missing, not many people have jobs, not many people have houses, no water to drink, you know, the situation is still very dire. Shortly after arriving in Canada, the Fergusons helped Dexter's sister Amanda and her three-month-old son Maverick flee the Bahamas too. Amanda says she couldn't believe it when she got the phone call that they were going to get her out. My stomach was in knots. I actually had a panic attack because I was scared, 
but happy at the same time. Because the only thing I was thinking about is finally, you know, getting away from the disaster and getting him someplace safe. Since then, the family taking in the quintessential Canadian experience, a hockey game. And it was actually fun. I don't even really watch hockey on TV, but when we went to the hockey rink, it was fun. As for the weather, the Fergusons are on the hunt for warmer clothes. They're finding it a little chilly. Because um, I'm used to a warmer, warmer climate than this. But the family says they would happily bundle up for the Canadian winter if it means they can stay in the country. They're currently on a 90-day visa, but hoping to begin a process that could extend that. Because they say they're really realizing now just how little they have to return to. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. A man accused of driving an SUV through a mall in Chicago earlier this month has been charged with terrorism. This is not happening right now. Early this morning, police announced that 22-year-old Javier Garcia has been charged with terrorism. Garcia was behind the wheel of a vehicle that smashed into the front of a Sears store, through kiosks, and into another store. He was immediately arrested after jumping out of the vehicle. Police say Garcia was acting alone, no word yet on a motive. The march towards impeachment proceedings against U.S. President Donald Trump continues tonight. The anonymous whistleblower whose complaint started it all is now likely to testify behind closed doors. But the president and his allies plan a coordinated effort to push back. The Ukraine call whistleblower. Unseen, unidentified, but soon to have a voice. Behind closed doors at the House Intelligence Committee. Well, do you expect the whistleblower to testify? Uh, and if so, when? Uh, yes, and uh, I hope very soon. One hurdle, the whistleblower's lawyers need security clearance to join him or her before the committee. Uh, and we'll keep obviously running shotgun to make sure that the acting director doesn't delay in that clearance process. Lawyers for the whistleblower tell NBC News that all agree that protecting the whistleblower's identity is paramount. And so far, no date or time has yet been set. The president is the whistleblower here. Today, the White House defended President Trump's conversation with Ukraine's president as an appropriate request to root out corruption while attacking the whistleblower's motives. The president of the United States is the whistleblower, and this individual is a saboteur trying to undermine a democratically elected government. The president himself accused the whistleblower's sources of unpatriotic misconduct. Well, who's the person that gave the whistleblower the information? Because that's close to a spy. Trump defender Lindsey Graham from Saturday Golf Partner. The president was charmingly great host. To Sunday morning advocate, questioning how the whistleblower learned secret information used in the formal complaint secondhand. What I want to know who told the whistleblower about the transcript? Who told the whistleblower about a phone call between the president of the United States and a foreign leader? Interesting. Donald Trump isn't the only world leader under the microscope right now. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson says he has no interest to declare his links to an American businesswoman who allegedly received favorable treatment because of their friendship. The allegation dates back to Johnson's term as mayor of London. Authorities referred Johnson to the Independent Office for Police Conduct to see if there are any grounds to investigate him for misconduct in public office. You have to declare interest. Did you declare there was it? No, there was no interest to declare. Well, because she was a friend of yours. She is, got public money. No, she got let's access. be absolutely clear. I'm very, very proud of everything that uh, we did 
and certainly everything that I did as Mayor of London. More violent clashes on the streets of Hong Kong today. Some of the busiest shopping districts descended into chaos during the latest demonstrations linked to the defiant pro-democracy movement. Police fired rubber bullets and tear gas to disperse activists who threw bricks and gas bombs. The protests are now into their 17th week. SpaceX unveiled its newest reusable spacecraft designed to take humans to the moon and to Mars. This thing is going to take off uh, fly to 65,000 feet, about 20 kilometers, and come back and land um, in, in about uh, one to two months. The Starship is designed to carry a crew and cargo into space and return to Earth landing upright. It joins SpaceX's fleet of reusable rockets, which CEO Elon Musk says is essential to the viability of space travel. Saturday marked the 11th anniversary of a SpaceX rocket reaching orbit for the first time. A survivor of the horrific Humboldt Broncos bus crash is honored in a very special way. We're going to have that for you right after the forecast. But first, check out the white knuckle driving in parts of Calgary today. Heavy snowfall reducing visibility with road conditions even worse heading in and out of the city. Nearly 200 crashes have already been reported between Saturday and Sunday morning. Police are already warning drivers to be prepared for the Monday morning commute. And of course, not to be outdone, this is Highway 3 through Manning Park at around 7 o'clock Friday night. And this is Paulson Pass at around midnight, graciously shot by art videographer and chief editor Keith Whittier. Oof, glad it was his dad who was behind the wheel and not me. Kesha, I, I do not deal well with snow. Yeah. In any, in any Same. circumstance. Same. And by the way, just a kind reminder, Tuesday, rather, October 1st, that's when the snow tire you know, rules come into effect, so we've got to change our tires over. Thanks for that reminder. Yeah. All right, well, this is the scene in Summerland earlier today. So much of the Okanagan, well, it was cloudy skies that we were looking up to. Look at that. White caps due to the strong winds and snow caps. That's what our friend James is showing here up in the mountains. And then we climb up 1,700 meters and Colleen showed it to you. This, a look at the Paulson Summit at this point. And this is where we had the most dramatic snowfall amounts throughout the weekend. Paulson Summit, 52 centimeters and counting. It continues to come down through the evening and the overnight, but we're just talking about an additional two to four centimeters at the very most, but it could be worse. This is Lethbridge. Yeah, they're looking at a good meter of snow in this area. Isn't that something else? Yeah, unbelievable. Meanwhile, along the south coast, this is us. We had a beautiful weekend, didn't we? Avelina, she was inspired to take so many photos throughout the weekend, as were so many other viewers like you. It was a gusty one today, and it will be a gusty one through the evening and the overnight. Seven degrees, that's going to be our overnight low with just a few clouds in the sky. And tomorrow morning, as the kids are heading out, we're looking up to mostly sunny skies. Temperatures are going to be around nine degrees through the morning, and by the time the kids come home, still plenty of sunshine, and temperatures are going to be around 16 degrees. So dress the kids Accordingly, meanwhile, through interior sections, it'll be closer to the freezing mark in the morning. 
Meanwhile, radar returns. You continue to see the snow at higher elevations, especially the further southeast you go. This is a stalled out upper level low. It seems to be relentless, but it should be easing through the overnight. This is the ridge of high pressure that's building and eventually that's going to be taking hold and drying all of us out. And here's how the next three days play out for us. So Monday morning, it's going to feel like minus nine for you in the BC piece. A sun cloud mix, though, into the day. White Horse is looking at showers beginning as early as the morning. 11 will be your daytime high in White Horse. North Coast, enjoy your last day of sunny weather because the showers are moving in Tuesday. You've got until Wednesday in the Caribou in the central interior. Your winds are going to be easing tonight as well. 11 will be your daytime high tomorrow in Prince George. Below seasonal, 9 in the Columbia and the Kootenai regions. Finally, a sun cloud mix. We're going to be clearing out over here. Morning, though, it's going to be cloudy, as is the case for you in the Thompson Okanagan. Cloudy skies and clearing in the afternoon. Temperatures reaching 12 in the Thompson Okanagan, 14 in Whistler Village. And finally, up and down Vancouver Island, nice and clear. We've got that ridge of high pressure over there. It's not until Wednesday that we start to see the showers move into Vancouver Island, as is the case for us in Metro Vancouver. Still kind of gusty tonight, but all in all, two days of sunshine. Colleen. Looking good. Thanks so much, Kasia. Injured Humboldt Broncos Ryan Stretsnitsky is being featured in a new online Adidas ad. Have a look. As soon as I buckle up my helmet, I get goosebumps and I get anxious to get out there and, and get playing. As a kid, I dreamed of playing for Team Canada. And I still do. Stretchnitsky was paralyzed from the chest down in the 2018 Humboldt Broncos bus crash that killed 16 teammates and staff. The Adidas ad focuses on his hard work to recover, for being a role model, and his dream of playing sledge hockey for Team Canada. He says he's heard from young people who are taking up sledge hockey and following his example. That is awesome. So nice. Yeah. Very inspiring. Good guy. Mm -hmm. uh, welcome, Chanel. Speaking of some good guys, a mm -hmm. uh, trio of golfers from BC trying to do some big things today down in Napa ah. Valley. Uh, all of them leaving with a pretty hefty paycheck. <laughs> we'll tell you how many zeros and uh, <laughs> how much money Adam had when Nick Taylor and uh, Roger Sloan were able to uh, rack up today. Uh, plus, uh, the Whitecaps game just finished down in Los Angeles. We'll show you what happened there. And the Seahawks in the desert uh, taking care of business against the Cardinals. All that coming up. Nice. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Chanel. Chanel, I keep thinking about all of my relatives in Lethbridge, Alberta. <laughs> would like to be in Napa Valley, playing golf or otherwise. Or hanging out in the wineries. Uh, yeah, that was crazy in Alberta. But uh, better, better weather down in California and a pretty good day for a couple of uh, BC golfers. Yeah, a trio of BC golfers trying to make some noise down in Napa Valley this afternoon. Merritt's uh, Roger Sloan started off four under through the first five holes but faded on the back nine, finishing 10 under par tie for 13th, earning himself 140,000 bucks. Adams, Adams, Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin and Nick Taylor in contention as well. They began the final round just a couple of shots back of the lead. Hadwin playing with Taylor in the second last pairing. Trying to make a move on 10. His approach? Puts it in nice and tight. He would make birdie to get to minus 13. Now on the par 3, 11th, Hadwin staring down a downhill tricky putt. He gets that to go from about 18 feet. All of a sudden, he's three back of the lead. And your leader is this guy, Cameron Champ. Chunks his second shot, but he bails himself out with a par save to remain three up on Hadwin. Now Nick Taylor on 17. Didn't get a lot of TV time. 
The putt off the fringe, gets to minus 11, finishes 10th overall, takes home about 180,000. Hadwin on 17, curls that one in to move to minus 15 into second place. So on 18, on the par five, this is his third shot. He puts it within a couple of feet, makes birdie, three straight birdies, and all of a sudden he is tied atop the standings at minus 16. So Champ needs to birdie 18 to win. His third shot on 18. Don't get in the hole. Oh, that's pretty good. He would step up, calmly drains that one, wins the tournament, a check of $1.2 million. Hadwin, a very, very good day as he takes home $719,000 for second place. All right, the Seahawks start a short and busy week, playing two divisional games, both on the road in a span of just four days. First up, the Cardinals in the desert, and then L.A. Thursday night. Now, we're just a month into the season, but the Hawks are in a battle in a very competitive NFC West and needed a big win today versus the lowly cards. All right, Seattle hasn't lost in Los Angeles or in Arizona since 2012. First quarter, Kyler Murray. His short pass is picked up by Davian Clowney, who takes it in. 27 yards for the score, 10-0 for the Seahawks. Second quarter, as the defense takes a pitcher there with the rest of the team. Second quarter, Russell Wilson, he'll step back, hits Jerron Brown. Breaks the tackle, and he goes 32 yards on a big third down play to set up this one. The next score, Wilson to a wide-open Will Disley. His fourth touchdown catch in three games, becoming Wilson's go-to guy in the red zone. Pete Carroll is pretty happy, 20-3 at the break. Third quarter, the defense getting in on the act. Michael Kendricks with his second sack of the game. And then in the fourth quarter, this is pretty good to see. Wilson... We'll find one of his favorite targets from last season and the or a couple of seasons ago, Luke Wilson, friend of the show here, signed earlier with the Seahawks, gained nine yards there. Now the Cardinals finally get one in the end zone. This is Kyler Murray's first rushing touchdown in his NFL career. That would cut the lead to 20 to 10, but the Hawks just punished Arizona on the ground. Chris Carson, 104 yards on 22 carries, and he didn't fumble any of those carries. He had 41 receiving yards as well. C.J. Procise, the backup running back, comes in, seals this one. Seattle wins again in Arizona. They're 3-1 and one on the season. We'll take on the Rams Thursday night. Speaking of the Rams, they were hosting the Tampa Bay Bucks. L.A., a nine-point favorite, but they would fall behind 21-0. In the second quarter, Jameis Winston to Chris Godwin, one of two touchdowns for him to start the game. Winston to Cameron Bray in the fourth quarter, 55 to 40 is your final as the Rams drop to three and one on the season. Now blown and that's Whitecaps in Los Angeles to face the Galaxy. Just one more game left after this one. 20th minute. Caps open the scoring off the corner. Inbaum finds Daniil Henry. Isn't pretty, but it counts as come out somehow steers it in. One nil Vancouver. Three minutes after that, LA ties it. Who else but Zlatan Ibrahimovic, his 29th of the season. That would tie the game up at one apiece. But before the end of the half, in the 41st minute, 
Theo Bear. The Canadian gets behind the defense. And watch this. He flicks it on. Tosan Ricketts, Ricketts could have taken credit, but he lets that one go. Gives the kid the goal. 2-1 at the break. Galaxy find the equalizer in the 58th minute. Uriel Antuna with the flick over Max Crapo. No chance for the Whitecaps keeper. But in the 64th minute, Whitecaps regain the lead. It's Eric Godoy sends it in front and Ricketts with the perfect header. Caps regain the lead 3-2, but LA would tie it. And as they press, they get caught. And in the 93rd minute, Inbaum on the break, a two on nothing. He lays it off for Michael Chirinos, his first as a Whitecap. 4-3 is their final. Real Salt Lake is here to close off the season at BC Place next Sunday. Afternoon hockey at the LEC. Vancouver gets a couple of goals from Milos Roman, and they win this one 4-0 over the Rockets. And the baseball playoffs, the wild card games are set. Milwaukee is in Washington Tuesday. Tampa Bay in Oakland on Wednesday night. Come back. The BC Lions did what they needed to last night, win and keep their faint playoff hopes alive. Now, this is what needs to happen for BC to get into the postseason. The Leos need to win their final four games, while Edmonton needs to lose all four of theirs. theirs. Yeah. Not going to happen. Slow start last night, 9-3 at the half for BC. But in the second, things get going. Montreal gets the Lions to bite on play action. Matt Schiltz finds a wide-open Eugene Lewis. 97 yards later, it's 10-9 Montreal. BC answers back. Mike Riley, he will find his favorite target. Brian Burnham in the end zone. Your MVP for the season, Burnham scores the touchdown. Two-point conversion fails, 17-15. Now, fast forward late in the game. Lions up by two, a chance to go up by five, but the Sergio Castillo field goal is blocked. Montreal will drive down the field after the turnover. And on third and one, instead of kicking the go-ahead field goal, they try to bust one in. It fails. Bad decision, Kari Jones. 25-23, keeping the Lions... Slim playoffs, uh, playoff hopes alive until next week. All right, at the LEC last night, Canada in Iroquois Nationals World Indoor Lacrosse Championships. 19 seconds in, Zed Williams gives Iroquois the one nothing lead. Fast forward, Canada up 7-5. They will go up 8-5. Curtis Dixon, great goal here as he dives in front of the net. 10-6 at the half, third quarter. Great passing play by the Canadians. Dane Smith finishes it off. 13-7 at that point. The Canadians don't look back. For the fifth straight time, they are world champion. 19-12 is their final. All right, the Vancouver Titans playing in the championship game of the Overwatch League final. What a season it's been for this squad. A sold-out crowd in Philadelphia to watch this one. Titans... The number one overall seed in the playoffs taking on the San Francisco Shock. Yeah, I, I don't know what's happening, but there's a lot of stuff with buttons and stuff going. San Francisco wins the first game. They would win the next two, and then this is the fourth game. More good work, pressing the buttons, shooting, destroying things, and they would go on to win. The Shock with a dominating 4 nothing sweep to become the 2019 Overwatch League champions. Congrats to the Titans on a fabulous season. Back to the NFL. The Chiefs in Detroit. KC, 10 straight wins in the month of September. We'll pick it up tied at 13. This is a crazy play. Lions fumble on the goal line. Kerryon Johnson 
Nobody knows what's happening except for Bashad Breeland, who scoops it up, goes 100 yards the other way for a score, 20-13 to 13 KC. Two minutes to go. Matthew Stafford hits Kenny Galladay, his second touchdown of the game. Lions lead 30-27, to 27, but you can't give Mahomes too much time. He drives down the field and he sets up the winning score. Daryl Williams busts through for the winning score with 20 seconds left. Chiefs remain unbeaten. 34-30 is the final. Patriots and the Bills, both teams 3-0. First quarter, Patriots with the punt block. And Matthew Slater with the return for the score. 13-0 as the special teams coming through for New England. Fourth quarter, this is pretty ugly. Bills quarterback Josh Allen takes a helmet-to-helmet hit. Jonathan Jones. Now, really hoping the league looks into this because there's been too many of these helmet-to-helmet hits. Allen would be done for the game. In comes Matt Barkley, fourth and one, and he throws a pick. Patriots stay perfect with a 16-10 win over Buffalo. Rugby World Cup, Australia, Wales. The Welsh dominating early in this one off the Australian turnover. Gareth Davies goes the distance, 23-8. But the Wallabies would cut the lead. Good ball movement here. Dane Hellett, Petty would go in for the score to get within one, but a penalty by Reese Patchell in the 71st minute would be the difference. 29-25 as Wales takes down Australia at the World Rugby Championship. Okay, if you watched the station Much Music in the 1990s or you're a YouTube fan, you will definitely recognize this guy. That is Nardwar, the human serviette. Today, dozens turned out for a meet and greet at Vancouver's Commodore Ballroom to celebrate his induction into the BC Entertainment Hall of Fame. After 32 years as a musician, radio host, and irreverent interviewer of celebrities, Nardwar now has a permanent star on the Granville Street. There we go. Very cool. He's known for beginning each interview with the question, who are you? And for his signature sign-off catchphrase, doo-doo-doo-doo. There we go. He's weird (laughs) and beloved for being so. Congratulations, Nardwar. Well, we've seen a lot of his interviews, mainly on YouTube and that. We think he's a pretty cool guy. Thought we'd say hello. And he's from Vancouver. He is called upon from everyone because uh, stars love to be interviewed by him. It's almost like, um, you know you've made it when Nardwar interviews you. I think if Nardwar can do it, anybody can. Like, I wake up with a heartbeat. It's like, hooray, I'm alive. And then people look at that. Like, this living creature did this? I could do that, too. So it's really easy. If Norbert can do it, anybody can do it. Aw. <laughs> That's great. Beat of his own drum. Gotta love it. Very smart guy. Very intellectual. Oh. When he does the interviews, he digs up a lot of dirt on some people. It's hard to look that goofy. <laughs> That's Yeah. Do-do-do-do-do. Do-do. Thanks for joining us here at 11.